0: Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Advancing Racial Equity 4.0, brought to you by HRE Wired and hosted by me, Shireen, the HR Conversationalist. Firstly, I do owe you an apology because I skipped out last Friday. Yes, I know, i meant to be sharing an episode weekly, but I had to get my head down and focus because I was a week behind announcing my... Racial Equity Conference on the 23rd of September. Yes, my very first conference. And um, talk about aspirational. I've gone for the big guns, which is very exciting. So I'm not going to say anything more than that, other than to say it's. Did I say it's on the 23rd of September already? Let me say it again. And I'll put a link in the show notes. If we're not already connected on LinkedIn, come and find me on LinkedIn, connect with me because then when I'm sharing some updates around all the fabulous people that who are going to be part of this, hopefully it will get you hyped enough to consider not only buying a ticket for yourself, because I'm assuming that's the case, uh, but that you get some of your teammates and hopefully you can even convince um, your fellow peers to come and join as well as uh, your bosses and, you know, your aunties, uncles and whoever, because it's going to be super informative, but also it's going to be really fun. So without further ado, let's get into this week's episode, which is going to be just me, but I've got plenty of things to say as always. So I hope you stick around to have a listen. I wanted to dedicate this episode to my colleagues in the workplace who are of African or Caribbean heritage. One of the things I promised myself and those who decide to tune in to my episodes of Advancing Racial Equity is that I wasn't going to centre whiteness. It's a very easy, bad habit to slip back into if you spent the majority of your life prioritising the comfort of white people before yourself. And I'm talking from personal experience here. Now, many individuals will look at what I do now and the confidence and the boldness by which I show up and share my views with the world and think, well, it's easy for her. I can't do that in my organisation. I can't really say what I think. I can't even speak up, really, because I'm not convinced that they want to pay attention to what I have to say. Firstly, I want to make it clear I did not wake up like this. Secondly, I want to acknowledge the fact that if you hear any of my content, whether it's videos, whether I'm doing lives, I will forever talk about the inside work that has to be done, even as a black woman, to undo a few decades of conditioning, which meant that I defined myself according to how people saw me, in particular how white people saw me. And I know it can be very easy for those of us who are outside the organisational system, so to speak, to wax lyrical about what black people should and shouldn't do. And I've never done that. You know, I can never sit in judgment of who doesn't or doesn't use their voice. Don't get me wrong, it does frustrate me. But in the same way, I empathise and I recognise because it took me 17 years to get to this point. But I do want to acknowledge the challenges and the difficulty that you probably face day in and day out in in navigating particularly predominantly white spaces or where you have a predominantly white leadership team. And that for everybody's calls to stand in solidarity and want to be part of the solution you're still working within a culture that fundamentally hasn't started to do the real work to really understand what racism is and you're sat there thinking oh look here we go another chief diversity and inclusion officer who has joined who wants to meet up for a chat just to see how I'm getting on but also get my views and also acknowledge that they really don't know what they're doing so can I help them and it would be good if they can call on me if they need me and I'm just meant to play the good obedient black person who nods because otherwise if I don't I'm not seen as a team player but yet part of me wants to say why is this why are you making this my problem yeah I don't think I don't know <laughs> oh And that's a difficult part, isn't it? Damned if you do and damned if you don't. And so part of you may be thinking, and I'm making assumptions here, but, well, it's all very well that they're asking my views of the world now, but I've been here for a few years and they haven't been interested. Or you may be thinking, if I speak up, how will I know this isn't going to come and bite me on the bum in a few months time? Because hmm, I remember how they've treated Others, like me, who did speak up, told them to go through the process, said that they were concerned, their concerns would be listened to, and lo and behold, waiting two weeks later to get the expected letter that says, We investigated your concerns but could not find any basis for further investigation. If you can provide any other witness accounts or evidence, we would happily revisit this. I'm sorry, this is not what you want to hear. And like to thank you for bringing this to our attention because we strive to be an inclusive and diverse organisation and be respectful of and on it goes. So in essence your organisations have not got a good track record of dealing fairly when there have been overt issues raised and they also don't have a good record of speaking out when things have happened and everyone and their dog, cat and honorary mascot toy on the desk has turned a blind eye. Is what we're going through a moment in an organisational sense versus a movement in a societal sense? So what if my leadership team tames their mind and one minute they want to know my full views and what I really think about the culture here and, and how it is for people who look like me? But on the other hand, what if they then label me as a troublemaker, too outspoken? too angry, too aggressive. And not every organisation is going to have universal acceptance, should I say, that their views of the world are not quite as they thought. Not every organisation is going to have a HR team that universally gets it. There are some that are trying, but there are some who feel like they shouldn't even have to do anything differently in the first place, because this whole racism thing is wokeness gone mad, And I can give you a very good example just to outline that I do understand that the world that some of you may be working within, in that there was a gentleman who commented on one of my posts and I was talking about those leaders who feel like push for advancing racial equity means levelling the playing field for black people somehow is confused with lowering standards and it means hiring people that aren't competent to do the job. Now this individual works for a very well-known telecoms company so he had no shame in in sharing his views on social media and he said I think all of this talk about racism has taken things too far and why did he say that because he feels like these white senior leader candidates that he supports that he interviews part of his role as an executive recruiter and now all of a sudden not getting a look in because they are now the wrong shade of pale his words not mine And he said, how can it be that we are just ignoring excellent white candidates just because there is a push for diversity? I don't think it's fair. Now, as everybody jumped on him, (laughs) you know what I mean? It was like, listen, you know, and and as you can imagine, that was all. So that was all a, a hot conversation in itself. But I do maintain this point that there are individuals like him who are in senior leadership teams who Potentially you have managers that are like that, directors who believe that really. They might not say it to you clearly because you're the black colleague in the same way they wouldn't necessarily say it to me. Even the bravest of individuals wouldn't dare say that to me. But if they do, they kind of talk about it like somebody else has mentioned it, not really alluding to the fact it was actually them that had this thought process. But such is the foundation of whiteness that the second there feels like anything that threatens that, even... Though it's about the push for equality and recognising that the world is not fundamentally fair, they can't help but show that they still believe white people are superior in that regard. And if you're a black colleague working within an organisation and you, you will see these dynamics playing out in lots of different ways. And you will also see how, unfortunately, some of those conversations are kind of just allowed to run because HR is worried about intervening because lest it looks like that they're trying to curtail free speech. You or another black colleague might be thinking it's not worth my energy. I'm not even going to argue about this because what's the point? And then you've got other people potentially listening and all feeling very awkward and saying nothing, you know, bystander effect, inglorious display there. But with all of this externality, you know, all of these things that are happening that you can't control, my question to you becomes, how do you define yourself? How do you value yourself outside of what is going on with racism, whether it's a thing, whether it's not a thing, according to who you talk to on any given day? Do you feel like that you can dictate how you show up, how you label yourself, how you define who you are according to whatever variable that you choose. And I think the reason why I say that is because if you're always comparing yourself, or should I say if we are always comparing ourselves to standards that are set not only by people who don't look like us, but where there was other agenda there that we never really understood, it becomes almost impossible to fulfill our own potential. It becomes almost impossible to be in the driving seat, self-determination. It becomes almost impossible to be free, black liberation. And so when I'm challenging you, just like how I challenge myself, is to say, these ideas that I have about things that I want to do and the way that I want to do them, when I'm trying to work out whether or not I should or shouldn't do it, what is it in accordance to? Because if it is my comfort or discomfort, should I say, is that really because I feel uncomfortable doing it? Or is it because I'm worried about how it's going to be perceived specifically by these white people that I find myself surrounded by for whatever reason? Now, you might say to yourself, Shereen, I have no idea what you're talking about because there is no way that my behaviour is in response to perceptions of white people. Like, I don't care etc etc my challenge to you is are you sure or is that just a truth that you've been telling yourself if you have been bothered by the performative bullshit that your company may or may not have engaged with if you're frustrated by the lack of action if you're annoyed by the fact it's taken them so long to do something about this, if you feel let down that they've never apologised for how they've treated you, if you feel silenced, ignored or equally tokenized because now all of a sudden they're dragging you into meetings that before the doors were closed to. On some level, you have expressed the fact that this situation has not worked for you. So if this is how you feel, I do believe at some point you may have adapted who you are to fit into this space that, if we're honest, probably never really welcomed you for who you are. So that's why I urge you to revisit, even if you still get to the same point and say, you know what, Shereen's talking nonsense, it doesn't apply to me. OK. But this is an example of the inside work that I talk about, that the questions that we need to ask ourselves, even if the answers make us feel deeply uncomfortable, and that is how we can become freer, to define who we are according to who we want to be, not in response to how we are treated or have been labelled. I don't believe that we all spend our time consciously, like, going through that thought process, but I recognised, for me, like, unconsciously, that's what I did. You know, there's certain things that, not just about how I presented myself per se, but how I chose to express myself. I was very conscious of how it would be perceived by other people, and what I try to say, the intent, the the message behind it somehow gets diluted because it's not coming from a true place. Do you know what I mean? It's really easy to put the responsibilities onto everyone else to fix things, to fix racism, to fix discrimination. So my question to you is, does that mean that you will wait until racism is no longer a thing, until we are no longer racially discriminated against? Will you wait to define yourself according to who you want to be and how you want to show up at whatever particular moment in time? Or do you feel like your ability to determine your life's path, to make the decisions that you want to make in the way that you want to make them, is conditional to the eradication of racism? Now, this is a personal belief, but more and more I'm inclined to say that it's our patience with the time it's taking, to get rid of, you know, the biggest stain on society's soul, is to some extent what's perpetuating the very thing that we want changed. Because with patience, I believe, in some instances or in some contexts, comes acceptance. We start accepting the way things are because we feel like we've got no control, that we've got no choice to do anything differently. And the connection with how we define ourselves is somehow I think it leads to a chain reaction because when you step differently, people respond to you differently. I won't start talking about vibrational waves and energy and all of that stuff, which is, which is my jam. But in all of this, I think we have more power than we realise. And I think exercising that power starts with self. It starts with us. It starts with maybe shedding some of the stories that we've told ourselves to enable us to survive in the environments that we've been in, particularly when they felt very threatening and oppressive, you know, because if you have less choice or you feel like you have less choice, your, your tolerance levels are higher, but not really because it comes at a price. I'm not telling this to preach or lecture to you or patronise you. I'm sharing the thoughts and the reflections that I've had when I question why I don't want to do something or why I feel uncomfortable about presenting something in a particular way or why I hesitate you know because it's almost like the hesitation is almost worse because then you start second guessing yourself and then even when you do because the hesitation was there it's like a muted version of what you intended to do which means when you don't get the reaction or the response or the outcome, is it legitimately because of that? Or is it because of the hesitation that we exhibit in the first place, you know, in that we are treated according to what we accept? And I recognised for myself that there were so many work environments and so many situations that I found myself in where I just wanted to bun down Babylon, those of you that know that saying will know what I mean by that but I just thought I'm tired of this bullshit but yet I said nothing so I got frustrated with myself about the fact that I didn't say anything but then I would see some more bullshit (laughs) I was trying to find not a swear word but I would see more things play out and I just think how is that even possible how is it possible that this person has been promoted for doing the square root of nothing How is it possible that I'm here still having to defend this same goddamn presentation that I've delivered three or four times in different iterations, yet somebody just steps in, does a piss-poor version of what I've done, and all of a sudden they're celebrated like they've just invented the next version of sliced bread. How is that possible? So when you keep going around in circles like this, you then find yourself acting in a way to prove your value. And as that circle keeps on going, I stopped and said, the very things that I'm fighting for, I'm fighting to prove myself, I'm fighting to show people I'm here, that I have perspectives, that I have opinions, and it's not making any difference. And then I didn't ever stop to think, is this what I really want? Or is it because I've I've spent so much time, different iterations in different organisations, always trying to prove a point, trying to be heard, that I've spent my energy trying to ensure I'm not the stereotype, trying to counteract the label, that everything that I've done has been a reaction. So there's been no proactivity. And if there's no proactivity, it means I could never plan And if I'm not planning, it means I'm not really in control. So I go back to, who are you? When you're not worried about how you're being perceived. When you're not thinking about racism and what your company is or isn't doing. When you're not waiting for them to offer you something that may or may not come. So you can be passive in all of this when there's an opportunity to be active and to say, in spite of what's going on, I'm not going to let that stop me. I'm going to speak up when I can and only you can define the conditions that make that so. But it's time that I defined myself according to who I am and or who I want to be, not in reaction to how I've been treated. So that's my soliloquy for this week. I hope you've enjoyed it. And as I said, I do apologise that you had next to nothing from me last week however it was for good reason because i'm not sure if you've clocked but i did announce my advancing racial equity conference 23rd of september in case you missed it at the beginning you get to hear from dr show lamoz you get to have a dj set from trevor nelson and he never does corporate gigs look how i'm whispering i feel like in case he hears me because i'm not really meant to be mentioning it but it's going to be exciting And you also get to hear actually from CEOs. Like how many HR conferences can you go to where you actually hear from the people at the very top who are actually talking about anti-racism, racial equity? You know, this is not diversity and inclusion, we're focused. And I'm really pleased that there are people who are supportive of that focus and are ready to just share their perspectives. This is not, you know, I'm never about judgment. Um, but it's about honesty and I think we're ready to just feel hope that there are leaders who, who get it. As I said, never about perfection, but they've already made the decision that they're not sitting on the fence anymore. So maybe hearing from them might encourage your CEO, your peers, you know, your colleagues, your HR colleagues, whoever, be the ones that have their own story to tell because you know what In a few years time I'm not being funny but you don't want to have nothing when everybody else is tripping over themselves to talk about you know when they began their anti-racism journey and you know (laughs) your your boss in my mind I'm not saying you meaning you but your boss is a bit like oh um um well you know I no 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 so whisper in their ear as well thank you for listening to another episode of Advancing Racial Equity 4.0 brought to you by HRE Wired and hosted by me, Shireen the HR Conversationalist. And I look forward to seeing you again next week.